This is Christopher Benincasa for Jersey Arts, the podcast. Today we're speaking with cultural critic and professor of American Studies at Trinity College, Lou Major. He's written a book about Jersey's own Bruce Springsteen and the making of his celebrated masterpiece, Born to Run. The book is called Runaway Dream, Born to Run and Bruce Springsteen's American Vision. Springsteen called the record My Shot at the Title, a 24-year-old kid aiming at the greatest rock and roll record ever. He pretty much won the title in 1975. Lou Major, how'd he do it? He did it with a lot of hard work, is how he did it. He, he had a tremendous amount of pressure going into the studio. It's, it's hard to imagine that Springsteen might not have succeeded, but the fact of the matter is he had had two albums that come out. Uh, he was a critic's darling, but they didn't sell. And it was a business back then, just as it's a business today. So he went into the studio with all of this pressure, uh, wanting to succeed and wanting to make the best record ever made and having tremendous amounts of ambition and talent and uh, trying to figure out just how to do it. What was it about his approach that uh, set him apart from the rest? What made this record uh, such a success? What was the secret ingredient, I guess? Well, um, you know, there's always a certain kind of magic, and it's hard to dissect. Uh, what, what, what happened was he had to figure out how to capture on a recording what the band did then live and continues to do live. I mean, they were known for an electricity and a diamond dynamism and a hyperactivity and, and this kind of sound and he couldn't quite figure out how to capture it I think it's the combination of finally being able to capture the sound in his head on record uh, and fusing some of the most amazing lyrics to the most explosive vital sounds that really anyone at the time had heard and that's also important to keep in mind this is 1975 the sort of glory days of rock in the 60s had passed. There was a sort of sense of malaise, not only musically, but culturally as well. And this album just explodes onto the scene, and it reminded people of the original promise of rock and roll, which is the, the promise of liberation, the promise of feeling free. And it made people want to move uh, at a time when they really hadn't felt that way in, 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 a, long, uh, in a long period. Mm. And as we were setting this interview up, uh, Bruce Springsteen, the boss himself, was in the midst of a string of performances in which he was playing the entire Born to Run album live at uh, a bunch of concerts. And uh, living in New Jersey and working for New Jersey public television and radio, I know a handful of people who dutifully attended, and you told me, Jersey guy that you are, that you were at last Friday's concert. I was there for the performance of Born to Run in its entirety, which for me was just a very special, magical moment. You know, understand that I've just written a book really about the entire album and how that album is the foundation album for understanding all of Springsteen's work since 1975. Uh, Springsteen himself has said that the album establishes the themes that he would continue to work on. So to be able to be there and to listen to it in its entirety and to understand the structure of the album, it was just an absolutely uh, you know, transcendent night. It was a spiritual evening for, for any of us who were there, especially for me, because you know, I call the album the defining album of my life. And part of my book is an attempt to understand what does that mean? What does that mean when people say Thunder Road changed their lives? What does it mean when people say Born to Run uh, changed their lives? Uh, I know it did it for me and it has done it for tens of thousands, if not more, uh, of other fans. So it was, it was spectacular to hear it. It also confirmed my own belief that it is indeed uh, the masterpiece of, of, his, uh, of his body of work, and it's a masterpiece that continues to breathe. It still has life. 
in your book, Runaway Dream, you write about the impact the record had on your own life when it was released in 1975. You write, uh, it spoke to my soul and it made me drive faster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it made me feel alive. Uh, you know, I was uh, 18 years old. I was going through all the kind of uh, you know, early, mid-teen angst that I think every generation goes through, though every generation has it in its own way. And I hadn't quite heard, you know, well, I hadn't quite heard anything that riveting, that dynamic, uh, that that soulful in all kinds of ways. The, the wall of sound that was built up, the voice with which he sang. Sometimes he didn't just sing, he screamed. He seemed to be articulating what an entire generation felt. The other thing is, is you know, he was mine. Um, you know, I, I came to Bob Dylan not in 1965. I was too young, but later. And Dylan, of course, is fabulously significant, and anyone who hears like a Rolling Stone today responds to it. Uh, I came to Elvis Presley late, and Elvis Presley, too, who was the major influence on, on Springsteen, uh, is someone who you listen to. But but Springsteen was my generation's Elvis uh, and Dylan and, and more. And so I just, uh, I was along for the ride. And, and that song, Born to Run, that, that matches this desire, which is really a very deeply rooted American desire. Well, let's talk about that title track, Born to Run. Uh, what is it all about? Can you sort of break it down for us, for those of us who might not be hyper-familiar with it like you are? Well, uh, most people are familiar with it, I'm sure. And in fact, one of the jokes uh, in New Jersey is they tried back in the 80s to make it the New Jersey state song, and the uh, legislature <laughs> turned it down because it mentions the word suicide twice in it. Uh, oh, it right. it's, it's an amazing song that musically starts fast and just gets faster. So there's tremendous amounts of layering going on. The sound, it's, it's unlike any other song in all kinds of ways. Uh, the, the, tinking, the tinkling of the glockenspiels in the background, the ways in which multiple guitars build, and you really absolutely feel the energy and the dynamism of what the song is about. Now he starts off talking about what? He talks about the runaway American dream. This is the title of my book, Runaway Dream. Well, what is the runaway American dream? Well, it, it, it's a double meaning. Mm. It's the dream of escape, which runs deep in American culture. Uh, you know, Huck Finn lighting out for the territory. Uh, you know, others on these kinds of journeys of self-discovery. You know, Jack Kerouac's on the road. You name it, and it's a common trope. But here he is, and it's not just about that journey of escape alone. It's about the search for love, right? That, that's the message. So the song starts out, Every day I sweat it out on the streets of this runaway American dream. Uh, the days are lethal. The nights represent freedom. And he wants to get away. He wants to get away from a town. He says, that rips the bones from your back. It's a death trap. It's a suicide rap. We've got to get out while we're young. And that sense of youth runs through the album as well. And ultimately, the song comes around to he and Wendy, uh, the name of the girl in the song, wanting to just go off and find out whether love is wild, love is real. That's the journey. That's the passion. That's the romantic ideal. Uh, it, it's very hard <laughs> not to feel that and desire it and want it. The American aspect of Springsteen became obvious um, with his post-9-11 album, The Rising. 
Uh, and more than a few articles at the time recounted this personal anecdote from Springsteen. Uh, it was just after the September 11th terrorist attacks. I'm sure you've heard this. And he was right. walking or driving around somewhere in New Jersey with no plans to record a big new record. And some guy sees him and shouts, Bruce, we need you. That's and right. next thing you know, the E Street Band is back together to deliver The Rising to the world. What's that about? It's about uh, really the transformation of Bruce into uh, a really significant public figure and public icon, moving beyond just the boundaries of being a significant rock figure in, into something greater than that. And it's, it's not just American, of course. It's also, uh, he, he has an international audience, and in some ways his fans in Europe are even more rabid than, than his American fans. So it's really, it's American, but it's about being human. It's about this sense that he was singing to matters of the soul. And this is one of the things that I say. I teach a course at Trinity on... Uh, Presley, Dylan, Springsteen, and the basic theme is this, Presley freed our bodies, Dylan freed our minds, Springsteen's working on our souls. Hmm. And that's part of what that response is about, is that sense that at this time of kind of loss and confusion, there's a hope for some kind of text, some kind of person who can figure out how to give some sense of, of, um, of recovery, of hope, of dynamism. You know, he premieres this song, My City of Ruins, at the concert for 9-11 a couple of nights later, and everybody was blown away. They thought, oh my goodness, you know, how did he, how did he write this so quickly? Of course, he had written it years, years earlier, and it's really about Asbury Park. That's the other thing about a great artist. Artists, whether they're poets, writers, painters, filmmakers, they have a sense of the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times. And uh, the amazing thing about Springsteen is time and again, he has rhymed with the spirit of the times. He has been doing work that really speaks to the moment. I think that was true of Born to Run in 1975. I think it's true of Born in the USA in 1984. And it's also true of uh, The Rising in, uh, you know, a few years after 2001. You know, I, I happened to end up at one of the Madison Square Garden shows uh, on the Rising Tour, and uh, I've never been a huge, huge fan, but, you know, I, I've always thought he was cool. Right. And, uh, and, but I thought, whoa, this guy played for about three hours, all while running, jumping, and even doing the twist on top of the piano, and I remember thinking, gosh, maybe we do need him. Yeah, well, and that's it. It's, it's you know, he'll come out on stage and he says, is there anybody alive out there? And, you know, we all have difficult lives, we all work hard, we all struggle for something, and part of Springsteen Live, and it's an important relationship, it's not just about the recorded music, it's, it's having those three hours or those three and a half hours and feeling alive, transcending the moment, and it's spiritual, he never does the same show twice, and it's a working band, so when you go to hear them, uh, they're always good, but some nights they're absolutely unbelievable, and uh, it's, it's it's just an amazing experience for those who are fans of, of both the music as well as, as the performance. Uh, the other thing, Chris, worth worth mentioning is nowadays, you know, we we live in the world of the of the ninety nine cent download and of the single. Uh, these were albums, and they still are, and they're constructed, and they tell a story, and there's an arc to them. And one of the things that one needs to do with Springsteen. Just as you would not read a single chapter of a classic novel, uh, you really don't fully understand an album if you just take a single track. Uh, if we go back to Born to Run, part of the amazing power of that is it starts off side two, and back then you literally had to flip the record over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's, there's this deeper context as well for understanding the power of his music in relationship to the other songs 
that he surrounds each one with. I wholeheartedly agree. I'm an album guy myself. Okay. <laughs> um, right. uh, you know, another highlight of, of, speaking of his audience, another highlight of that show uh, for me was seeing uh, the late, great Tim Russert, of all people, walking around in a giant T-shirt, holding a giant plastic cup of beer, smiling and waving to people as he made his way back to his seat. And uh, to me, I just said, I just thought to myself, wow, America really does seem to love Bruce Springsteen in a very sincere way. And it's very interesting, too, because, you know, you mentioned Russert. Uh, you know, recently there, there were articles about the fact that Chris Christie is a, is a Springsteen fan. So we have this interesting tension between what has become Springsteen's overt politics, and that's of a recent vintage. That only started in 2004 with Vote for Change and with his support of Kerry and then his support of Obama. So on the one hand, we have Springsteen, who has taken a position politically. On the other hand, we have his music, which is not overtly political and which embraces a very large audience of people across the political spectrum. So you're absolutely right, and, uh, and, and that just, again, speaks to his significance and his importance as a cultural figure. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because I've run into some diehard Springsteen fans who were very disappointed in the shape that his vision of America took on when he started using his considerable soapbox to speak out on behalf of the Democratic Party, writing op-eds in the New York Times and playing big politicized benefit concerts. Uh, do you think he sort of painted his American vision into a corner by doing that? No, I don't think so, because I think it's a very generic American vision. It's a powerful one. He said in that article, Courts for Change, he, he wants to try and realize the America we all carry in our hearts. It's a beautiful phrase. And so when he's out there talking, you know, what are the values that he's talking about? I mean, he's talking about opportunity. He's talking about equality. He's talking about justice. Uh, he's talking about them as sort of you know, general principles that very few of us would disagree with. Now, how to achieve those things may be the, the, the sticking point, but uh, for, for a long time, Springsteen avoided it, and in some ways he was drawn into it. You know, this goes back to Born in the USA, when Ronald Reagan comes along and tries to appropriate Springsteen as a symbol of just a kind of mindless patriotism, and Springsteen is forced to say, hey, wait a minute, you don't understand my music, you don't really understand this song, because if you listen to Born in the USA, sure, the chorus may sound like it's the gospel of patriotism for America, but the verse is all about the blues, right? It's all about the sort of loss uh, of America post-Vietnam. So he was sort of drawn into, in many ways, as much as he just sort of let out on having to sort of make a, a statement about what relationship his music and the characters in his music has to the idea of this lost American vision, this lost American dream. And that, you know, to bring it back to, to what we were talking about, this, this notion of a runaway American dream, it's not just running away, it's the dream itself that has run away, it has eluded us, right? We live in this culture that says, you know, all of us can make it, all of us can get ahead, but somehow it's not true, and there's a deep, deep, deep part of him that wants to sort of recover that and try and make people realize that we all have a responsibility to, to work to realize that American dream. Another big song from Born to Run is Thunder Road, never a single, but revered by fans. Uh, what's so special about that track? What's that one about? Well, and you mentioned Tim Russert, you know, revered by Tim Russert. In fact, after Tim Russert tragically died, Springsteen from Europe uh, played Thunder Road and dedicated it to Russert and, and his family. Hmm. Uh, the song, by many, is considered the, the, the greatest song in this canon, uh, topping even, even Born to Run. If, if you look at polls, uh, there's a radio station in New York, WFUV. They have a poll all the time. Fans vote Thunder Road, number one. Uh, what is that all about? Well, 
it, it's it's just a stunning, gorgeous uh, invitation to uh, to experience, and it's impossible not to sing the lyrics along. It's 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 where he he name checks Roy Orbison early in that song, and he said he always wanted to sing like Roy Orbison. So it's about loneliness, and it's about the loneliness that we all feel, but on the other hand, this hopefulness, and that hopefulness is going to be found in in the search for love, in, in finding someone, in pulling out of here to win. Musically, what that song does, it's, it's like a wedding march. It's a processional. It opens the album. It invites us along on this journey. So both lyrically and musically, it is just a triumphant song. And that ending, that long uh, piano and, and guitar, you just feel yourself bouncing down the road, uh, pulling out, pulling out to win, pulling out for love. Uh, it's 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 pretty amazing. And uh, <laughs> and when he does it, you know, when he does it live, that harmonica opening, the piano closing, that's a very interesting thing to talk about. Again, I keep mentioning music over and over because I'm a cultural historian, but we have to always remember that these are songs, not poems, that there's a musical architecture to them. And to only focus on the lyrics, and the lyrics are stunning, and he worked them and worked them and reworked them. Uh, one of the things I do in the book is I talk about some earlier versions of these songs and other ways in which he recorded these songs. Uh, that's a very important part to understanding what's going on here and why ultimately uh, they succeed in the way that they do. The screen door slams, Mary's dress waves. Like a vision, she dances across the porch as the radio plays. Roy Orbison singing for the lonely Hey, that's me and I want you only Don't turn me home again I just can't face myself alone again It's interesting that you mentioned the difference between songs and poems because uh, uh, just a while back I did an interview with the poet Paul Muldoon uh, and his rock band, Racket. He does a rock band. And uh, in addition to being a Pulitzer Prize winning poet, uh, and editor at the New Yorker, uh, and it came up that every year they push to get Springsteen an honorary degree from Princeton University. So here you have this big-time poet from Ireland starting a rock band in New Jersey and going out of his way to get the boss an Ivy League degree, and I, I thought that was great. Perfect, yeah. That all fuses together nicely, and uh, I suspect Springsteen will will turn that degree down, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> now, you've compared Springsteen to Woody Guthrie and, and Walt Whitman. Uh, and I, get right. the, I get the Guthrie connection, uh, but tell me about the Walt Whitman connection. Well, the Walt Whitman connection is this notion of singing for America. Uh, you know, Whitman's poetry uh, from Leaves of Grass, his essays, uh, Democratic Vistas, his democratic vision of embracing the common soldier, you know, Whitman worked uh, as, as, as a nurse in the hospitals during the Civil War. So both you know, Whitman's place in 19th century American culture, again, as a voice for the outcast, for the common man, for the underprivileged, that's the sort of line of connection. And you know, to listen to Springsteen on Nebraska, uh, to listen to Springsteen on the ghost of Tom Joad, you know, he has multiple personas and identities. You know, we've, we've spent some time talking about uh, Bruce, the, the rock star, but he also has this kind of folk, if you will, tradition as well, as, as shown during the Seeger sessions, as shown in his own interests in, uh, 
in Guthrie through uh, Tom Chode and in other ways. So, so there are a lot of different veins, and I think that that's this kind of deeper connection to uh, democracy with a small d. So as you write in your book, almost 35 years after Born to Run was released, uh, the record continues to be relevant to people of all ages and to new generations. And I guess my last question is, what kind of artist can make a record like that? A, a talented one and a lucky one. And, and, and I think that that's it. I mean, I think, it's, I think there's a mystery to it. I think if we were to ask Bruce that question, uh, he would sort of laugh and, and, and in some ways not be able to answer. Uh, what we do know, and, and one of my, my favorite um, quotes from him about the song and the record, uh, is, is, is this. He says, it was a record of enormous longing, and those emotions and desires never leave you. You're dead when that leaves you. The song Born to Run transcends your age, and it continues to speak to that part of you that is both exhilarated and frightened about what tomorrow brings. It will always do that. That's how it was built. Hmm. Okay, Lou Major, thanks so much for doing the podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. The book is called Runaway Dream, Born to Run, and Bruce Springsteen's American Vision out on Bloomsbury Press. It's about the making of the album Born to Run, possibly the biggest cultural export New Jersey ever produced. For more information about the arts in New Jersey, visit jerseyarts.com. This is Christopher Benincasa for Jersey Arts, the podcast. In the day we sweated out on the streets of a runaway American dream, at night we ride through mansions of glory and suicide machines Sprung from cages on Highway 9 Home wheel fuel injected on Stepping out over the line Baby, this town rips the bones from your back It's a death trap It's a suicide rap I wanna get out while I'm still young Those tramps like us Baby, we were born to run Jersey Arts, the podcast, is a production of State of the Arts, NJN's weekly art show. Watch it on NJN Public Television Thursdays at 8 p.m. or online anytime at njn.net. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts is proud to co-produce State of the Arts. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts, encouraging excellence in the arts since 1966. Additional support was provided by the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation, supporting cultural, educational, and environmental initiatives that make our world more livable. Baby, will never go back. Walk with me out on the wire. Girl, I'm just a scared and lonely rider and I gotta know how it feels I want to know if love is wild I want to know if love is real